Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Pastor's sermon is entitled, Who is Sufficient? When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's words, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God. In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Amen, dear saints. So we're continuing this morning in uh, this glorious, beautiful, fabulous book of 2 Corinthians. I know that not all of us have been here for the prior, I don't know, six, eight sermons, whatever it's been, but it's been quite a ride so far. But before we go into this text, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for Jesus, the author and giver of life. We partake of him through the word of God as it's read, the word of God as it's preached. The word of God is Jesus Christ, the divine logos, the end of all things, the one through whom you created the world, the bread of life. We will not live without him. We cannot. Now feed us, Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So this book of 2 Corinthians, I think, contains in it some of the most poignant ministerial doctrine to be found anywhere in all of Holy Scripture. In other words, if you're planning to be a pastor, you're looking to be a ruling elder, a deacon, or a faithful minister in the church at whatever calling God gives you, this book has some gems in it. And today's text is a marvelous example of that. Now looking back a little bit at at chapter 1, we had seen where Paul and his fellow presbyters had been under enormous stress, intense strain, almost beyond the ability to bear it, in the aforementioned chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And here, the great and eminent minister Paul is torn between what must be done, namely the preaching of the gospel, and the fact that neither he nor anyone else who ever sinned could ever do this work with sufficiency. No one would be sufficient to proclaim the eternal gospel of the eternal God, especially someone who who had ever sinned. But dears, let us not fear, let us not be downhearted, let us not lose confidence, let us not lose heart. Ours is the God of the impossible, the incomprehensible, the inconceivable. What we could never ask or imagine, God Almighty is able to do for us. So he can take even fallen sinner saints and make them sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, as we'll read later in chapter 3. But it is a sufficiency that comes only from Christ. In He and in Christ alone, we are able to do what we would never be able to do in our own puny, ridiculous strength. And therefore, 
Let's make it our gospel goal this Resurrection Day to understand that all the church's sufficiency is in Christ alone. Toward that end, we're going to study together 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I know we have some visitors. If you'd like to use the outline, we begin here. title of the sermon is, Who is Sufficient? The doctrine, Jesus Christ alone is constitutionally, by that we mean in himself, in his being, in his offices, sufficient for the gospel ministry of his church. Now, that doctrinal statement is categorically true, and it's very important and critical that we believe it and receive it, that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient. So if there's going to be any sufficiency in us, it's going to be him working through us, That's the only way it could possibly be. All ministry, when it is performed properly, when it's done for the glory of God and not for the glory of men, is done in and through the person, the power, the commission, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Lord Jesus Christ himself does his preaching on Sundays from faithful pulpits of true churches. Anything attempted aside from Christ is less than worthless and not worthy of our state as beings made in the image of God. We shouldn't even listen to it. We should disdain it. As the minister is united to Jesus Christ, and as he has upon him the call of Jesus Christ, the result is that the Redeemer himself is actuating his, Christ's ministry, through the minister who then feeds the people, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you can go out and do the work of the ministry, as per Ephesians chapter 4. And he's using jars of clay, broken vessels of humanity, broken in the fall, crushed under the weight of sin, and yet put back together the light of Jesus shining through these broken jars of clay, as per 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. In truth, Jesus Christ alone is constitutionally sufficient for the gospel ministry of his church. First, called fallen sinner saints are derivatively sufficient. And that means we obtain all of our sufficiency from Christ himself. So all of our sufficiency comes through him. The very fact that Jesus Christ is God, don't forget that, that Jesus Christ is deity, that Jesus Christ is divine, in that very fact makes it impossible for any created being an angel or a human being, even one who never sinned, to be able to fully preach this divine being, Christ, or the fullness of him. How much more true is this for us fallen humans who have sinned, who are now saints but are sinner saints? The reality is that Jesus Christ himself works through his called church ministers, and he does this in such a way as to preserve the purity of his gospel doctrine. This is an amazing thing. This is an absolute miracle. We talked about the miracle of remaining faithful in a church for your whole life, like in the case of the Schlumps this morning. That's a huge miracle. But it's a miracle that God causes his ministers to stay faithful, preserve the purity of gospel doctrine despite our sinfulness, despite our lack of sufficiency. 
in oneself, no fallen man, still burdened with the old flesh nature, could or do, would do this gospel labor. So we might ask the question, how does it happen? How does God do this? Well, the answer is in the fact that God embeds in a miraculous way in the heart of his truly called church ministers the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that those ministers would rather die than preach any false gospel to God's people. We would rather perish than to preach a false teaching to you. The gospels of the world, the gospels of false religion, false Christianity, or any other kind of false gospel. It's impossible. We could not do it. God puts so much strength and conviction to such an extent in his ministers that they will not preach a false gospel. They will not willingly lie to you. They will tell you the truth. And therefore, you can go into your world with that confidence that Jesus Christ has spoken to you. In fact, if you were to look at Paul's words in Galatians 1, 8, and 9, he says it about as strong as you can imagine, that if anyone, himself included, or an angel from heaven, would come down to the Galatians and preach any other gospel, let him be a curse, damned, anathema, condemned to hell forever, whoever it would be. It's very strong. You want more scriptural proof of this teaching? I refer you to verses such as, though certainly not limited to by any means, 2 Timothy 3.14 and 4.5 and Titus 2.1. Called fallen sinner saints are derivatively sufficient, and all of our resources come to us in Christ. The incredible irony is that we go from being absolutely destitute, bankrupt, empty, vacuous paupers, not only with regard to our initial standing in Adam before our regenerations in Christ, where the Holy Spirit does the work in us and we are new creatures, but also with respect to the gospel ministry itself. We come to it and ourselves with nothing, empty, totally vacuous. We bring nothing to it. We have no contribution whatsoever. In other words, we possess virtually no power, no ability, no energy, no supplies, and no credentials in and of ourselves. All of these are found in Christ alone, given to us. The gospel ministry of the true church is entirely ambassadorial. By this we mean that the offices of the church's ministry are given by King Jesus and they are filled by King Jesus. The ecclesiastical gospel preacher called by God is the mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ. We actually studied this a little bit in Christian Ed this morning, 1 Thessalonians 2:14, I believe, where Paul's preached word is called by him the word of God. We speak the words of God. And Paul says it well, even as we quote him from verse 17b that closes out today's pericope of Scripture, as men of sincerity, as men commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Dears, let me ask you this. Who indeed is sufficient for that? When you go to call your new pastor, you're going to be calling a man who in himself is completely insufficient. But if he is called by Christ, he will be 
sufficient as a minister of the new covenant. Let's look at these amazing verses, 12 through 17, 2 Corinthians 2, and study three realms of miraculous insufficiency sufficiency. So what seems on the surface to be an insurmountable conundrum actually turns out to be a forum for God to show the immeasurable greatness of his wisdom and love. What simply cannot be done by fallen human beings and in any level of human ingenuity actually gets accomplished by God through those thoroughly inadequate, insufficient instruments. How is this possible? How can this be? Only through the direct, personal, and committed intervention of the true and triune God. See, there's, God cares a lot more for his church's ministry and you the ministrations of the church and the gospel on the Lord's Day especially than we could ever do by far. He cares way more about this than we do. He is passionate about this. He will make sure it happens. Let us now study three realms of miraculous insufficiency sufficiency. First, the restless soul is soothed by Christ's presence. Verses 12 and 13. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Now notice here that even the great and eminent Apostle Paul cannot in himself contain or govern the passionate circumstances regarding his own heart. Have you ever felt that way? The Apostle Paul cannot contain the situation around his soul that was consuming him. And it wasn't sin. Sometimes we're in that position. We cannot contain it. We can't control it. It's beyond our ability. Paul goes to Troas. Everything is progressing well. God seems to be blessing the ministry. He's opened a door to preach the gospel. As he says, there's good results and there's no obvious persecuting opposition. And nonetheless, Paul could not and would not stay there in Troas. Why? Because he desperately needed, get this, the presence and fellowship of his dear presbyter, his co-laborer in the gospel ministry of the church, Titus. So much was this the case that Paul leaves Troas and goes to Macedonia. See, dears, this is how it is with us sometimes in our lives. Things happen to us as well that are just beyond our ability to, to handle. It's just too big. We are, frankly, not sufficient in ourselves to handle and manage the eternal dimensions of life as beings created in the image of God, especially recreated in the image of Christ as his church. The person of the triune God, the personage is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The dimensions of Christ's gospel and the life of the faithful churchmen in the body of Christ. We simply cannot do that on our own. It's too big. But what Paul could not find in Troas, 
he did find in Macedonia. And that was less Titus than it was the comforting presence of Christ, even via or through Titus. God will use your fellow church members, other Christians that are faithful in his church, to be a blessing to you. As your heart and mind cannot manage our circumstances even today, be they good or bad, let us run to and resort to and pray to and throw ourselves into the arms of our gracious, loving, heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, whose divine nature covers the eternal dimensions of all our lives. Jesus Christ's human nature we're going to talk about, but it's his divine nature that covers all those dimensions that are beyond our ability to manage. The restless soul is soothed by Christ's presence. And the checkered world is subdued by Christ's gospel. By checkered, I mean you got the believers and the unbelievers. Verses 14 through 16a. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Again, beautiful verses. This is why Second Corinthians is such an amazing book. It's got all these marvelous texts like that in it. I think Paul is saying here, among other lovely things, that his going to Macedonia was blessed by God, even though the immediate human reason for his decision may have seemed weak and paltry. He needed Titus. And that having gone there, God graced his ministry in Macedonia with effectiveness. And this effectiveness included the preaching of the gospel to the elect redeemed who received it immediately, i.e. life to life, and the preaching of the gospel to those who yet remained in their sins, death to death. Now whether those people were elect or, or not, at this point they weren't yet coming to faith. The glory here, dears, is that in this world we do not know what we are affecting or achieving through our church preaching and ministry of the gospel, whatever our calling is in the church. But God does. He knows what he's affecting. You are spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere in everything you do. Paul himself, and we may include ourselves as well, are, quote, in Christ, always being led in triumphal procession, spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Verse 14. Now, observe that our gospel and redemptive aroma, which is that of our very selves, did you notice that? The aroma is you and me. It's a beautiful aroma. And it is one in Jesus as his church. And according to verse 15, it is that of Christ to God. So the aroma that we are spreading is an aroma, a smell of Christ to God. So in effect, you are walking, talking incense incense containers, those old covenant incense containers, offering constant praise, ministry, thanks, and your lives to God in Jesus Christ. That's what you are. Walking, talking incense containers. The restless soul is soothed by Christ's presence. The checkered world is subdued by Christ's ministry. 
And finally, the broken ministry is sustained by Christ's power, verses 16b and 17. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Now, in these verses, Paul draws a distinction between all the truly Christ-called true ministers of the gospel in his church who are all insufficient in themselves. Okay, So all the truly called ministers are completely insufficient in themselves. We have no resources of our own. Nothing. Nothing. No credentials. Nothing. In ourselves. And he contrasts them with the, quote, peddlers of God's word, the false and phony religious babblers, who, if you were to ask them, would say, yes, I'm completely sufficient in myself. And, of course, those peddlers of God's word are out there in mass today, just like they were back here in the mid-first century A.D. So those who are called by God are sincere, commissioned, and faithful in the discharge of their gospel speech, even though we know ourselves to be completely insufficient in ourselves. While those who are called by dollar signs or people-pleasing or culture-embracing are called mere peddlers or better corruptors or marketers of the Word of God who believe themselves to be fully sufficient. So the question becomes, and it's a sincere one, which would we rather hear? The self-consciously insufficient but truly called by Christ minister or the proud, arrogant, self-sufficient spokesman of Satan, citing 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15? And that's a sincere question for all of us. Now, in terms of the Corinthians, blessedly, they threw out the false apostles and embraced and clung to the true one, Paul. But I'm here to tell you that most religious people, even those calling themselves Christians, prefer speakers who will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. They'll come to a faithful sermon and they'll go home and find somebody online to listen to that will tell them what they really want to hear. And that's a sure sign of reprobation. And you can read about that in 2 Timothy 4.3. So the insufficient broken jars of clay, again 2 Corinthians 4.7, are the unlikely ones that Christ calls and through whom God works his marvelous and miraculous grace. And so with this applied self-conscious understanding then, the true church ministers of the gospel may say, and should say, not with, not with pride, but with honor and integrity, must say, must say it, as verse 17b of verse, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We can also do that despite knowing ourselves to be absolutely insufficient and unworthy of this high and holy calling possessing in ourselves no resources at all. They all come to us through Christ. Let's do some more application this morning and comprehend how the redeemed church is to think about insufficiency, sufficiency. So given all this intriguing back and forth dynamic, how are we to conceive of the church's ministry and gospel preaching? 
That is a noble query and one worthy of our attention. Actually, if you read the Bible carefully, you'd notice that this is constantly an issue. As goes the ministry, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the world. Everything depends on it. Interestingly, it all coordinates very closely to our states of being in damnation and Adam as fallen sinners and our being in justification in Christ as elect redeemed souls upon whom the atonement has been applied by the Holy Spirit. So let us now get a better handle on how the redeemed church is to think about insufficiency, sufficiency. First, in ourselves we are utterly and completely helpless and powerless. Now this is the whole point of insufficiency. As we are in our fallen federal head, Adam, we are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. And dead people, souls, and things can do nothing. We're just dead. And so this correlation is made between the state before conversion and the situation of a man called for the gospel ministry. This concept gets applied to all authentic church gospel preachers as well. And of course this includes all of those that are in our presbytery or our denomination or in faithful churches all around the world today. In other words, despite being even regenerate, get this, despite even being regenerate in Christ, the ministration of the gospel is so great, so immense, so huge, so eternal, that no mere created being could do it. It's just too big. We can't contain it. And the reason for all this is that it is to speak of and relate to God, the true God, the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in whose name we applied baptism on a soul today. The God who is infinite in his being and all his righteous and perfect characteristics and traits. And this includes, dears, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Christ, in his divinity. In ourselves, we are utterly and completely helpless and powerless, but in Christ we possess all the treasure and provision of heaven. Now we just spoke of the divine nature of Christ, but it is the human nature of Christ, my dears, that perfectly represents the Father to us. It is in this human nature that we know the true God. He reflects the glory of this perfect, perfect God to us. We see and know God in the face or person of Jesus Christ, who is the exact imprint of God's nature, Hebrews 1.3. Because of this, our treasure chest of resources are all in Christ, who though in heaven bequeaths upon us here on earth his heavenly supplies, benefits, graces, strength, and provision, where we need it here and now in the struggle in the sanctification process of the saints in the church. This is how then our insufficiency in gospel ministry is thoroughly ameliorated, compensated for, made up for, and totally equipped in Christ alone. That's why Paul will later in 2 Corinthians 3 say that we are sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. But it is a derivative sufficiency that comes to us in Christ. And by the way, this is also how the elect and the church are redeemed. How? Through the gift of God. 
The gift of God's Son, the gift of regeneration, the gift of justification, adoption, glorification, sanctification, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God in Jesus Christ in regeneration is everything for us. We're new creatures in Christ. It's a gift. What are we to do? We're to receive by faith the gift of God as God has already opened our eyes so we would never do it without his electing grace and operation upon us we exercise that God given faith in Jesus that his blood cleanses away all our sins past, present and future that his glorious resurrection from the dead has secured forever our full free legal and forensic justification imputed to us just as if we had never sinned we have the righteousness of Christ his active and passive righteousness, both given to us. God the Father sees us now just as he does his own dear natural son. Those of us who are in the church in Christ Jesus. Beloved, who is sufficient? Well, in ourselves, none of us are sufficient. But we know in Christ the only one who is sufficient. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that glorious truth that we know in Christ the one who is sufficient. We could never do this on our own, Lord. Only you can do it. None of us would have persevered even a a nanosecond without your Holy Spirit, let alone years, decades, being faithful in the church, worshiping Lord's Day to Lord's Day, even being called to our ministries. We could never have done it. It's a miracle. You did it, Lord. Thank you. We give you all the glory and praise through Christ alone. Amen.